This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo. And tonight, today, whatever day we're in anymore, I don't know, 2021 just never ends. It's one straight day, all time. Uh, I am joined by Shane Young of Forbes Sports. Shane, Clippers have played 12 games in 20 days. How are we breathing? Well, I'm breathing fine, but I think I might be a little bit better than what Ty Lu was feeling after the game. Or before the game. Yeah, either one. So uh, for people who don't know, pregame, we're recording this April 23rd, which is Friday. This is after the Houston game. Um, Ty Lue, before the Houston game, sits down and gave a very exasperated sigh before the game even began, which should have told everybody how this game was going to go or the energy in this game, at least. And after the game, that man was just, uh, I wouldn't say happy. I would just say relieved. He seemed very relieved to get the hell out of town. <laughs> yeah, there, you could definitely tell there was a sense of, OK, finally, insert the rock here. Finally, there's two days off. Uh, I know you put this in your piece, Justin, on your five takeaways. Was it the first time they've had two days off since April 2nd or 3rd, something like that? Yeah, so uh, the last time they had two days off prior to what's about to happen was between the games against Denver and the and the Lakers on April 1st and 4th. So they had the second and third off. The only reason they had two days off before uh, in between those games is because that game against the Lakers was a 12.30 local start time, so they needed the two days off in between. But um, it's not been great. Uh, since the All-Star break, this is only the third time. What's about to have this next two-day break is only the third time they've had two straight days off since the All-Star break, which is absolutely unreal. They're about to only play five games in 15 days. And I say only because that is a very light stretch in this schedule. They've played the most games of any team in the NBA. They've played 62. They've done it in like 120, 122 days, something like that. They're, they just played, like I said, 12 and 20 days. It's, this is one of the most, I know we've talked about it many times. Like it's a very brutal season, but like, this is, this is like crazy. Like dudes are legitimately exhausted. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to preface that as well with, um, that we're not just saying it from the standpoint of the Clippers, you know, asking PG after the game tonight or after the game against Houston, um, PG. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be Paul George, might be. <laughs> might Reginald. have been. We don't, we don't know. There wasn't video. It could have been. Yeah. Uh, whoever, whoever he shall be named uh, said that 
it's been the case for every team. It's not just them. Like, you know, it's not like the Clippers have a major disadvantage compared to these other teams. I will say, though, like one thing that people might not be factoring in, they've had zero COVID related layoffs or delays, postponements, whatever you want to call them. And that has made the the schedule even more of a grind. So it's, it's building up on the players. It's building up on the coaching staff and really like the entire organization. Like, you know, they, they've had no breaks since December 4th when training camp started. Yeah, it's this is an absolutely unreal schedule. Um, one of the teams that really comes to mind is the San Antonio Spurs. Like, have you looked at their schedule since the All-Star break? May God have mercy on their soul because one of their PR guys was telling me it's it's a it's a living hell. <laughs> Twenty six games in forty three days. Yeah, you know, I guess it's because what they I think they missed I think they maybe missed what seven or eight straight games of COVID stuff. So it was they like four. It felt like more. <laughs> it felt like more. I mean, they literally missed a week, and they're just like, well, we got to make up the week and do it now. God. So, yeah, it's just absolutely love it. Just absolutely amazing. I guess on my side of things, at least the Clippers went through their crazy stretch already where, you know, you look at teams like the Spurs and Milwaukee and Memphis where they have to play 14 games and the Clippers just play 10. Yeah. No other team, by the way, just so we're aware, I don't just say the Clippers only play 10. No other team in the NBA even has 11 games left. Everyone else is 12 or above. So the Clippers are two games ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and that's going to also, you know, maybe this is foreshadowing for what we're going to talk about later, but it's going to play a part in the race for the two seed because the Clippers already have, I guess, games in the bag. I guess you could call them losses in the bag, too, because they have more losses than the the Phoenix Suns. So the Suns literally literally just have to play games and hope that they win and, uh, and, and not rack up those losses that the Clippers already have. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, and I'll tell you what, like the, the single most important game of the season might be that last game in Phoenix coming up. I mean, it's that to me will determine who gets the two seed. Yeah. April 28th, uh, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday in Phoenix, it is an ESPN game. Everybody national TV can watch. So I'm sure the Clippers will do their best to be crappy. Um, and Phoenix right now is on the road. They're they're in Brooklyn on Sunday. They play a back to back against the Knicks on Monday, and then they play the Clippers on Wednesday. And after that, they play Utah. So you know, hey, yeah. that's cool for them, I guess. And, and Justin, I just want to say, like, people might look at that statement I said about the two seed being so important, and say, like, why would it be? You're still going to be playing the Suns in the second round. But we know the history of the Clippers. They never made it to the conference finals. Got really close last year. Have never never made it there to the to the West Finals. And if you can lock up home court, which you did not have in the COVID playoff bubble type thing, um, if you can lock up home court for the first two rounds, something the Clippers have technically never done, that that would be great. Not only that, but like with the way Portland is free falling, uh, you might want to get to two. Yeah, to beat like, them in f- a quick four game quickie. Okay, well I'm good. not gonna I'm not gonna go that far because God knows how <laughs> my prognostications have gone. But um, if you get to two, you actually probably get a little bit more rest because you have to wait for the play in winners. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So I mean, 
that's just one way I look at it is like you might get an extra you might steal an extra day, quote unquote, by just getting to two. And right now, the seven, eight matchup is Portland and Memphis. And if you're the Clippers and you get Portland or I guess if even if you get Memphis, um, you're kind of looking at where the way that the brackets broken down. I talked about this with Farball the other day is Utah's at one. Denver's at four. Lakers are at five. If you get to two and you play Portland or Memphis, that means Phoenix at the three has to play Dallas. And that means you avoid Luka, or I guess you just avoid Rick Carlisle and the the Mavericks. You avoid um, Jokic and or the Lakers because then they have to play Utah. So you only play one of Utah, Denver, Lakers. And I know everyone's like, well, like, oh, I want to beat all these teams. Screw that. You just want to win a title. And the best way to win a title is A, with the easiest row possible, and B, the best health possible. And right now, the Clippers aren't exactly healthy because Kawhi Leonard has missed the last several games because he has a foot issue, which he dealt with, I guess, a couple weeks ago or, or I guess a week ago or so. He dealt with it and he missed several games before returning uh, last Sunday against Minnesota. So he's missed the last three games. And the Clippers have still won these games. But each game has been interesting because it's had like a slightly different story in each game. So the Portland game on Tuesday in Portland, the Clippers are they have Paul George and they have Marcus Morris. So they have those guys and they have Rondo. Uh, They all come back from from whatever the hell was going on. Uh, But Kawhi is out. And with Portland, they sit Lillard and they sit Nurkic because they have to play Denver the night after, and they ended up losing to Denver on Wednesday. But we're just looking at Tuesday. Anyways, so no Lillard, no Nurkic, no Kawhi, obviously no Pat, no Serge, but that's become the <laughs> just how it's been going, I guess. But honestly, I didn't think the Clippers looked that good. I thought PG looked great, but I didn't think the Clippers looked that good, and they just hung around and hung around. Like, CJ is making everything. Um... Norm Powell's hitting a bunch of stuff and it's like, they're just hanging around and it's like I've said before, and I know I'm not the only one who said this, but the longer you hang around in a game that you have no business being like hanging around in, you're going to end up winning that game. And that's what they did. They're down six with two minutes to go. They're down five with a minute to go and they win because Paul George scored and or assisted on the 10 last 10 points for the team he scores, I believe, their last eight, in fact. Or no, not their last eight. He scores their last six. And it's like this guy, for all the crap people have given him, he's out there. He's hustling. He's delivering in the clutch. And he upends Portland 113-112, basically almost by himself at the end. And that's a win I think the Clippers can be proud of. Absolutely. You win a game despite shooting 1138 from three under 29%. Uh, that's on the road. Like that's not something that the Clippers have done in the last two years, you know, sub 29% shooting from three um, and win on the road. You know, I don't, even though Dame's out, you know, still CJ McCollum was a handful. He was a handful, got, gets up a lot of shots, puts the ball in the air a lot. So you have to always worry about him. Um, and then obviously the drop coverage situation, getting a little bit lucky with some shots down the stretch. But, hey, as you said, it takes luck to win games and a championship in the long run. And about PG, man, like it's it, – I think it was put on display in that in that Blazers win down the stretch. Now, I, I would say like a lot of some of the 
last couple possessions where he drew fouls and obviously wanted at the free throw line. That wasn't really indicative of what I'm about to say, but I think, I think he has figured out this year how to, or especially after that Milwaukee game, you remember that infamous game in Milwaukee where they just took bad shots or or I guess they got decent shots, but took a couple bad ones and then everyone freaked out about their clutch uh, inability. Ever since that moment, I feel like that PG in particular has figured out a way to get creative or get uh, change up his approach in the clutch. I feel like he can get any type of look he wants now in the clutch. It doesn't just have to be a pull up three. It doesn't just have to be a step back three. He is now attacking in the mid range. He's getting screens and going right to the cup and drawing fouls. Ten free throws tonight. Correct. I mean, is that like not one of the most one of the highest mo- highest amounts of the season? Um, and then obviously, like in that Portland game, you know, just attacking without a screen, going into isolation, uh, step back mid-rangers, getting them to go. I mean, he's a three-level scorer at the highest order now, and that's not something, even last year or the year or the year before in Oklahoma City, I feel like a lot of his damage was from three or getting to the foul line a lot uh, in Oklahoma City, but now it's like he, he really has the full repertoire in his system. It's kind of crazy. You look at this game. If you just looked at the numbers of this game, it's kind of weird. So the Clippers shoot 28.9% from three. It's the fifth worst game they've had from three percentage wise this season. Um, it's actually the third worst game in which they've got up at least 33s. Um, but the weird part is they shoot 29% from three and obviously they win the game, but they only got 15 free throw attempts. Like they, they, they were shot a lot of threes, but they didn't make them. They didn't really get to the line that much. And they won the game because they shot like 68% from two because they just kept getting to the rim. And last year's team wouldn't really do that, which I think is a testament to Ty and the stuff he's built. Now, some of that's just there's different personnel on the floor. For instance, like Terrence Mann's going to drive more and Mir Coffey is going to drive more, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also like part of the system, which allows guys to get to the rim and make plays for themselves or others. That was pretty much not really there as much last year. Yeah, there's a diff- there's a stylistic diversity with this team that it, everyone's kind of been hoping for, and everyone's kind of been thinking that that's what Ty Lue is going to bring them. You do, you just think back to those Cleveland teams. If you know if if LeBron didn't have it going, they would figure out a way to still generate their open shots for other people, and LeBron could have a game with under Ty Lue where he did not shoot the ball well at all, where he struggled and had a lot of turnovers. You know, I feel like he was turning the ball over a lot uh, in those final Cleveland days, if I'm not mistaken. And still they would win games because they would get a lot of shots for Jared Smith, Kyle Korver, you know, pick your player. I mean, it was a lot of guys getting good looks and, and that for some reason, that's what Ty Lue brings. I, I know LeBron had a lot to do with that, but like Ty Lue goes to this Clippers team he kind of puts PG in that similar role, not saying he is LeBron, but you kind of empower him to be like that. And you're getting a lot of open looks for Marcus Morris. And in this Portland game that we're talking about, Morris didn't shoot particularly well. But still, it's like I think the looks matter more than the makes right now. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, 
you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, I mean, process matters in the in the NBA. I almost said the National Basketball Association. <laughs> I don't know why I would have said it like that. But process does matter. Like the level, the quality it looks. And this is, what I, this is why I brought up Ty. I don't think these games, the Clippers win last year. Like these, this stretch of three games. And it's not because of personnel. I think it's because of system. Like last year, Kawhi and PG were the system. And then like Lou and Trez would be sprinkled in with their stuff. It was like two separate systems or even three separate systems when everyone was out there. And this group, it's one offense. Like you can tell, like when Kawhi's not playing, and they just put Marcus in the mid post and all right, Marcus, you're going to be Kawhi, obviously not to the level that Kawhi is, but you're going to run some Kawhi stuff. PG, you're still at the elbow. You're still doing what you're doing. All right, PG is out. Well, we're going to put Terrence at the elbow. We're going to put Luke at the elbow or Batum at the elbow, which has been very good for the Clippers this season. And, and all right, now you're going to be the playmaker guy. Like everyone understands they're kind of interchangeable. Like every, like the word versatile gets thrown around and multi-position and, 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 you know, the positionless basketball, but this Clippers team really might be that like outside of zoo and outside of Ibaka, when Ibaka does play, like it's a pretty, like, like it's like clay. You're able to mold it to whatever you want. And that wasn't there last season, but this season I feel like it is that the system is so good that it doesn't matter who's able to play. And we literally saw that the next night at home against Memphis where they're down by 18. They're down six usable players because not only they're without Kawhi, but PG gets rested. Beverly and Ibaka are still out. Rondo's out and they rest Reggie Jackson because Reggie needs to get some time off. That man has been hustling like a crazy man uh, in place of Patrick Beverly. They go down by 18 in the first quarter. And for those who don't know, I'm at the game. I'm, I'm at the game covering the game. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm behind one of the baskets. I'm on the Memphis side uh, where their bench is, and I'm I'm at the at the end behind one of the baskets. And I'm watching this game. I need people to understand. Like this is not hyperbole. Like when I say this, I I really mean this is how I felt at the moment. They're down by 18, like late in the first. They cut it to like think I quote unquote cut it to like 15 at the end of the first. In the second quarter, they're down by like 13 midway through, and I remember sitting there thinking like. Okay, you're midway through the second quarter. You're only down by 13. You're in this game and you have nobody. And that other team just got their second best player back, third best player back, and they're not able to just hammer the hell out of you. Because Memphis made six threes in the first quarter and the Clippers were just hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And all they needed was someone to get hot. And that someone was Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard gets hot. Uh, from the second quarter, he doesn't score in the first quarter, finishes the game with 28 after a scoreless first third quarter. He's just killing them. 
and they come all the way back. They end up not, not only do they win the game, they're in control of that game. Basically the entire fourth with a group of guys who shouldn't be able to do that. And that's the testament to Ty and the belief that a, he has in his guys and that they have in each other that they talked about post game. Yeah, Luke Kennard was a scorching ball of flames in that game, man. Like he was everything he threw up. I I feel like it's going in. And that's that's kind of been like the case all season. Like I, there's rarely a three, especially those ones you've pointed out where he's in transition and he looks off, <laughs> you know, looks at someone that's trailing behind him or kind of looks into the corner and then fires up the three himself. Um, I, I feel like they're always going to go in. So he. He's been awesome, and that game in particular, like you know, picking up when when it's needed, like in the first quarter, first half, I guess. Didn't Ty say like they were really top locking uh, yeah, uh, Canard coming off those screens? Yeah, they they were top locking, and then and then by the way, credit to Ty. Post game, he goes into detail about the thing that they changed. Yeah, he's not afraid to like reveal stuff, and that's pretty cool uh, because he knows like it. I think Ty is smart that he knows, especially I think the I think the finals experience or the finals experience does this more than anything. He knows like it's not about revealing your game plan and then being afraid that someone's going to take that. It's about executing it because everyone knows what you're doing in the NBA by now. You've played 62 games. By the time you get to the finals, you've played over you know nearly 100 or more. It's like everyone. It's not a secret. So uh, he's really good with that type of stuff, too. But. I thought um, I thought in general, like in that Memphis game, the, the hustle was just was out of this world. I know Yogi comes in, plays 20 minutes. Yogi Ferrell uh, has a, a few nice assists, like seven assists in 20 minutes, like from a guy that was just signed to a 10 day. It, it's absurd. They found minutes from people who should not be playing minutes. Like, I understand. Like, you, you're right. Yogi Ferrell, 8.7 assists. And he did most of his damage in the fourth quarter. Um in what was at the time somewhat of a close game and he just bridges the gap to the end. DeMarcus Cousins gives you 14 minutes. Yes, he only scores six points. Yes, he turns the ball over five times, but he grabs you 10 rebounds. He kept getting to the free throw line because Memphis kept grabbing him on rebounds. Um, Oh, and he also took three charges, which I will not (laughs) overlook because Tyloo did not overlook that in that, in that post game, which I mean, we all scoff at like, Oh, uh, charges, but like he's, those are turnovers. Yeah. And by the way, I hate, I hate the charge, but if, but if it's legal, then I guess you got to do it, but I hate it. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, yeah, that's, yeah. I have a question for you. Um, what, what the hell is this team going to do when, Ibaka gets back. What are they going to do with Ibaka and, and Zoo if Daniel Arturo is going to be playing all these minutes? We're not doing this today. <laughs> we're not. We're not. No, no, we're do not doing that. We're not doing that. No, no, no. I respect Woo. it. We're not doing. We're not doing it. Um, but anyways, uh, I respect that was good. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Terrence Mann has nineteen six and seven in that game. Canard has twenty eight. Zoo was massive for large stretches of that game. He had 18. Marcus was great. He has 25. He carried them for a lot of that game uh, and, until until Luke Kennard, you know, came around after the first quarter. Yogi was good. DeMarcus was good. Batum was good. Like, like they're getting – Pat Pat was good. Like, they get contributions from the most random – like, and this is what I wrote about in my five takeaways after tonight's game against Houston, which was one player alone does not win you a game. 
every player has to give you at least one play that helps you win. And during this three game winning streak or four game winning streak, technically, if you count back to the Minnesota game, everyone has done something positive in every game. Yes. The stat line might not look amazing. It doesn't matter. They're helping. You look at the Houston game tonight. Everyone's going to poo poo. And like, if you look at the box score, Luke Kennard, two of 10, ew. Luke Kennard did some like really good stuff. He had a couple good steals. I remember one play very vividly as a defender. He dug down to prevent the cut along the baseline and ripped the ball loose. And it started going the other way. That's a play that helps you. It saved a bucket. It got them going the other end. Obviously Reggie's fourth quarter. Terrence with his hustle plays and like he had like an offensive rebound that was really helpful. Pat Pat with his, with his 12 points in the first half kept them afloat. PG with his fourth quarter, his 14 rebounds. He was crashing the defensive glass. Batum doing everything. DeMarcus looked good. Amir Coffey was everywhere on the floor. Like it's not one guy. Everybody like, and I know they've talked about this the whole time. Well, it's the next man up mentality. It's the next man up. And after a while, you're just like, okay. Like when you first hear it, you're like, that's, that's just coach speak. And that's yeah. just what players say. I really do think this team believes that like if they plugged anybody in, they would do the job well enough to help them win. I don't know if that's true, but they believe it. And if they believe it, I don't know how much you can disagree with it mm-hmm. because the result on the floor is matching what they're saying because the process to get to the result is also working. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good regular season strategy to have or not strategy, but I guess a reserve type thing to have where you can just uh, rely on, on 15 guys to give you something. And really like, if you think about it though, I think the one thing I like about this particular group when it comes to that um, aspect is I don't, think they have any guy you might disagree i don't think they have any guy that would be upset or discouraged in the playoffs whenever their minutes get cut because the what we're seeing now justin you know like this is not what we're going to see in in may june and july like this is not it it's going to be it's going to be if (laughs) if we're seeing this in may june and july I'm I'm going to be thankful for the time off by then, but yeah, not happy right. about it. Um, so I think that, for for example, Canard and Man, that, that's obviously the, the the only two that matter in this sense that we're talking about. I don't think they're going to mind. I mean, they there could be a playoff series or playoff moment, playoff game where they're called upon and they go from playing, I don't know, X amount of minutes up to like you know twenty five thirty because it, it's needed. So I think this team has a lot of injury uh, insurance right now, and that's something that I just didn't expect at the beginning of the year. The real question for this team, well, there's two of them, um, and, and we could we could tackle them at the same time. Number one is when, uh, or I guess if, but it's sounding like when, because Ty did say that Ibaka is now doing four on four, so he should be back in a couple weeks. Maybe like two weeks, 10 days, whatever. I don't know. Uh, when Surge comes back, assuming they sign DeMarcus to a rest of the season contract, which I think they will, um, what's Cousins' role look like? Because Zoo's the starter. Ibaka's getting his 20 to 24. Cousins is going to have to be happy with nothing. Yeah. And he might oh. be the one guy on the roster, dude. That He might be the one guy that is not happy about it, but he'll be content with it because he understands 
he see he played in the NBA Finals and he had a really good chance at winning a championship just off of uh, a basic bench contributor role with the Warriors. I mean, they nearly did it. Um, and I think he gets that close to it and, and says, okay, uh, it's whatever this team needs me to do. Because if you, if you actually think about it, this Clippers team is deeper than that Warriors team was that they needed Cousins to play. So I think he is going to be fine with playing nothing once it's Serge, Zoo, and Morris at the five. So – Here's question two, which is the more difficult question. And I think it's probably the biggest question surrounding the team right now that no one has asked, at least hasn't asked Ty. When Pat comes back, I don't think you start him. I think you just keep starting Reggie. Yeah, I, I kind of have to swallow my pride on that one. I, uh, I, to this day, or I guess like up until a minute ago, <laughs> until you uh, told me this, I, I believe... I've always believed that Pat, PG, Kawhi, Morris, and Zoo is their best five, bar none, and that's it. Uh, and I guess it might still be their best five, but Reggie is clicking so much right now, you can't change it. And Ty's talked about rewarding the guys who play well. Zoo's played well, he'll probably remain the starter. Um, with Reggie, I just look at it like knockdown catch-and-shoot guy, Gives you so much more off the dribble. And I understand you technically don't need more offense alongside Kawhi and PG. But when you have Reggie as your second side option, as a third option attacking downhill, are you really going to say no to that? Because it gives you such a bigger dynamic offensively. Even if you go small, then I'm kind of wondering, I think you have to play Reggie like 22 to 24 minutes and then give Pat like 20 and hey, go out there for 20 minutes. If you foul, you foul, but just go, go do what, yeah. what you do and let Reggie be Reggie because I'm sorry. Reggie's probably been, I, I cannot believe this is a sentence I'm about to say from where we were six months ago when they oh resigned him. He's been their third most important clipper. Like if we yeah. really look at it, I understand I would, people. I would probably say Zoo, but I can I can I can give you I can fill you on that. Yeah, I can. So I understand people are going to say Zoo because Serge has been out for so long, but Pat's missed a shit ton of time too. Yeah, and Reggie has not only stepped up, he's shown out by constantly bailing them out in the game in Detroit. He bailed them out in other games. Hell, he bailed them out tonight against Houston. They were dead in the water, down by seven. He checks in. He goes on like a nine zero run by himself, basically, and. Or he scores like seven out of the next nine and gives them a two-point lead. And this guy is doing everything you could ask of him. I don't know how you look at him and just go, hey, man, got to go back to the bench. Because this whole time we've been talking about, well, so-and-so's got to get their minutes cut. What if the guys who get their minutes cut are like Pat? Because yeah. you also got to play Rondo. And I was, I was about to ask you, what do you do? Do you pay? Do you play Rondo and Pat together for a lot? Like I just don't understand so, what you would do. So that's the problem. Um, not that I don't think Rondo and Pat can't play together. I kind of look at it like Rondo and Pat are like the same style of defender, right? Yeah. Like they're gamblers. They gamble a lot. You can't play two gamblers together because then you'll just shoot yourself in the foot repeatedly. So they probably still start Pat. You're getting the bonus a lot. <laughs> yeah, like two minutes into a quarter. Uh, I think they still start Pat. 
And I'm I'm fine with Reggie and Rondo together because Ron, Reggie looks solid next to Rondo. Mm-hmm. They have some real chemistry, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I I don't know how you look at Reggie and like, sorry, dude, you got to go to the bench now. Yeah, you like, don't. I, yeah. I, I just I just don't know. You don't do that for a guy that's shooting uh, like forty three percent on high volume like you just don't do it maybe if it's like moderate volume or low volume but um he's too valuable to their offense and then really like we want to sit here and and talk about how this team doesn't need more offense or um you hear that all the time like you you don't need more offense with reggie in there put him on the bench well my argument against that will forever be this uh this is the modern nba i don't care if you're giving up 111, 112 points per one of possessions, if you're scoring 126, you win every time, every time. So I think yeah. offense is king. Yeah, I mean, you could play, dude. You, everyone talks about how, oh, like, I heard Charles Barkley the other night. Uh, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this sentence on a <laughs> podcast. I heard Charles Barkley the other night talk about how trash defenses are. I don't think defenses are trash. I just think offense is so good. Like play, yep. offensive players are so good. It doesn't matter what quality of defense you play. Like how many times have we seen dudes just hit shots in front of people's like faces? And we're just like, well, that's a tough shot. You know, it is what it like, you know, you, you live with it. You live with that long enough. You're going to be dead. Yeah. And how many times have we heard superstars praise for their clutch shot making, but then at this, in the same breath, defenses, criticize for giving up that shot making you can't have it both ways it's one or the other <laughs> right uh next up i mean they're on this three-game road trip next up on monday they play new orleans then they play the phoenix game on wednesday then they come back home for four at home four on the road and they're done they're done with the 10 games 10 games 10 yeah, goddamn I games it. I, I couldn't believe it i when i saw it i said there's no way there's no way that there's only 10 games left and by the way Two of them against the Raptors. Like what? What kind of scheduling is this? They literally forgot that the Toronto, <laughs> or excuse me, the Tampa Bay Raptors existed, and they were like, "Oh, we got to throw them against the Clippers." I don't know if that's. A, I don't think that's the latest series that actually starts in the NBA this year. I believe there was one other that starts like super late uh, among teams. Wow! But I, that's one of the latest, obviously, because they don't start until May fourth, and they're, they're done. They're done a week later in well, in, uh, in Tampa. A, I guess. a funny, <laughs> a funny scheduling thing about that. Uh, I guess scheduling quirk is uh, the Jazz played the Grizzlies three times in like seven days. <laughs> it was hilarious. Who the hell decided this? I don't know. <laughs> it's like when the Clippers finished with the Kings and like, like I think it was like three weeks and like that's a yeah. division opponent. Like, oh okay, like that's cool. Oh my god, um, Justin! It was three times in six days. The Utah Grizzlies thing? Yes. Why didn't they? That's a postseason series. That's insane. I just played a playoff. Um, do you think they win on Monday? Uh, I, I'm over here on the Jazz's schedule. Are they playing Monday? Oh, the Pelicans. Pelicans. Um, I don't know. So I have a no, theory. No. Yes. Okay. See, I have a theory that teams like New Orleans give them problems, like the young. Uh, the young whippersnappers that run up and down, they give them problems. And it's probably Zion on national TV, ain't it? No, actually, no. Okay. Okay. Although their next five games after that are national TV for the Clippers. Yeah. Um, so the the Clippers have split with New Orleans so far, right? 1-1? One, one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost okay. by tw- the, the game that they lost in New Orleans was the game where New Orleans was shooting like 74% for like <laughs> uh, like 40 minutes out of that game. I think Zion shot 185% on twos. <laughs> yeah, so. he just did not miss. <laughs> um, so I think I think they might drop that one. You know, you have to figure. Um, I'm not I'm not particularly like I haven't seen New Orleans's record in terms of where they what they have to do to get into the play-in situation, but uh, their their fate might be sealed by now, or it will be soon. But they'll be playing They're four with, back in the loss column. Yeah, they'll <laughs> they have a lot of ground to make up in a short amount of time. But uh, I think the Clippers are probably going to drop that one. But I really do see them beating uh, the last three contenders they have. I'll tell you, I think they're going to beat the Nuggets. Um, if, you know, if for that tiebreaker, which is not going to matter probably, and then. Phoenix and probably the Lakers because it just the the Lakers might not even care about it. So here's what's interesting about the Pelicans. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Friday, or just officially went midnight, so it's technically Saturday now. Uh, we're dropping this tonight, so when you hear this, you're hearing it right after we record. Um, the Pelicans play the Spurs Saturday night. The Pelicans lose to the Spurs. If they lose to the Spurs, they're five back in the loss column of the Spurs for the ten seed. God. And actually, they'd still be four, uh, four back of the 10 seed because in terms of the losses, because they'd be behind Golden State, who would then be the 10. But either way, you're looking at them having to make up four games in a loss column in like 12 games. <laughs> not happening. It's, it's not happening. Not happening. Not when I look at their schedule. Oh, my God. What? Oh, I don't mean to just change the look. subject here. I'm looking Oh, right my now. God. The Pelicans and the Warriors haven't even played yet. And they play three times. They play three times oh, starting May wow. 3rd. What if they win all those? If they win all those, they're one back in the loss column. <laughs> or, oh, no, if they win all those, they're tied in the loss column with Golden State. Uh, all right. This is probably the best scheduling thing we've seen. This is probably the best. <laughs> Who decided? They play the Spurs. They play Golden State three times and they play Memphis. Those are all the teams are trying to and- catch. They get the Lakers on a I don't care night at the very end. That is true. That is that is a very big I don't care. I don't give a damn night. Huh? They finish. They have five straight roadies. Oh, man. It, they play eight of their last 10 on the road. R.I.P. New Orleans Pelicans. Anyways, uh, Clippers are two back in the loss column of the two seed. Um, they play Phoenix on Wednesday. I'm not going to even try to look at that game on Wednesday. Who the hell knows? <laughs> But, I mean, there's a chance going into that game that they're tied in the loss column with, with, with Phoenix. There's a chance. Yeah. So, who knows? I, I, I mean, guess the uh, the one thing we haven't touched on, though, is when do we think Kawhi will start playing regularly again? And do you think it would be like – do you think he's going to play against the, the three contenders left? Like Denver. The, Den- Denver. So Denver, Phoenix, and LA. So the reason I, I would pick he plays against Denver, and the reason I pick it, I mean, then again, he is on the road trip. He is with yeah. them on the trip. He might play the Phoenix game. They said he would be reevaluated next week, and that was uh, Tuesday. Was that Tuesday? Yeah, that was Tuesday. So they play Phoenix on Wednesday. So I mean, he could be reevaluated and given the given the all clear. What what I think is more likely is. He's given the all clear for the game on the first against Denver because he'll have had two more days off. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it, it literally makes no sense to put them out there and, and jeopardize something. Like how many times have we seen, like, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like it hasn't happened much since I've been watching the league, but um, I guess Jam- it happened to Jamal Murray, just like an injury happening at just the worst possible time you could have it. So, so I think the Jamal injury really, really mess with people. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I think that was the injury that people were just like, all right, we need to kind of chill. Um, the, the people are going to point to like, oh, Donovan Mitchell or LeBron should have been the one, but they rolled their ankles on basketball plays. Mm hmm. Like that happens. Uh, Jamal's though, I think people are like, all right, we got to kind of just chill out a little bit. And that's what makes what the Clippers have done in the last 12 games all the more staggering because they have not had a full allotment of players at all. And they've gone 11 and one in 20 days. Yeah. And, you know, just looking ahead, like I'm just not, I'm looking here at the standings and I'm kind of like, already out of breath thinking about a Clippers Maverick series if it happens. So like I kind of would, would like, some different i i kind of like the intrigue of going against dame and and company um just for the narratives and stuff but i'll tell you what dallas at six man like i think the two seed is really important if dallas is going to get the six do you hear kenny smith last night on tnt no i try not to okay he said if you're the clippers at three you really want to avoid dame and luca in the six <laughs> seed no, hold on. It gets better. You want to avoid Damon Luke in the sixty because of how nuclear they can get. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think it's a little bit weird, but I, I understand where he's coming from. But then turned around literally one second later and said, so I think them getting to the two seed is that important when you realize that Dallas or Portland will be the seven seed. Yeah. Most likely. So, <laughs> so you're I mean, playing one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand. And it's and it's really point. strange that that we would sit here and say, like we would invite the Clippers to play the Blazers over and over, but Hey, w- with the way they trap Dame and stuff, like, I think it's, I think it's just so important that they get that matchup because you can, you can really make it tough on those guys, but there's simply no answer to Luca in the half court. Even if you trap him, I feel like he can really sling the ball all, all over the court. And I know you find him insufferable, but I find him insufferable, but I also recognize that he's probably one of the five greatest singular talents I've ever watched on a basketball yeah. court. People I mean, were letting guy, you have it. I mean, yeah, which what they would based on what they were saying, you would have thought I said he sucks. Yeah, you're right. And he doesn't. He's one of the greatest offensive players I've ever seen in the history of basketball. Um, I just I I don't enjoy watching him. Okay, that, that sounds weird. <laughs> I enjoy watching his on court skill. I do not like watching everything that comes once the whistle blows. Dude, he he has the most disgusting like are you really not going to call that foul face that i've seen and like he goes after the refs on every call i mean if there was a statistic for scowls per 48 minutes of play uh he would definitely lead it in terms of looking at the refs i don't understand why people were trying to defend me saying that he whines a lot the dude's second in the league in technical fouls it's crazy who's first dwight <laughs> still despite uh not playing as much as he did yeah and the funny part is like last year luca luca was almost in the top five like it's it is what it is like what are we doing wow like he gets a lot of technical fouls because he complains a lot not to say that that's like oh my god like that doesn't make him good no it's just he complains he's not the only guy trey young does it chris yeah. paul does it 
basically every superstar level player to some degree does it for some reason him and Jokic too it's the mannerisms it's not even Mm -hmm. just like the indignation it's the mannerisms and Evita Zubats I love him he's kind of getting to that level too yeah, he has like the he'll he'll look at he'll turn around and look at a ref and just put his hands up and stuff it's, and it's it's the arms like forty five degree out from this chest and like palms in the air like what did I do? Yeah, luckily like, for Zoo, he hasn't resorted to uh, taking a foul in the back court to stop the action just so you can moan some more about it. Yeah, I just yeah I uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the postseason unfolds. Um, my preseason prediction of Utah getting the one seed looks fucking phenomenal. You, right you're now. on that. I was scared to do it. I, I was too scared to do it because of how they have historically started off slow, but they didn't. By the way, I want to point this out on a night in which the Clippers did not go to overtime because a three pointer by Kelly Olenek airballed and a couple nights removed of them winning by one point in Portland. The Los Angeles Clippers are still one of only two teams this year to not go to overtime. And it still Thank feels God. like they have played one, but I don't know. It feels like it, but they have not. Um, <laughs> the other team is Toronto. And hey, with two matchups awaiting, <laughs> maybe we'll get one, baby. I, I hope it's the May 11th one on the road. <laughs> so like, like we'll be four games from the end of the season and then we'll get the overtime and just like throw our hands up and be like, why God, why? Yeah, gosh. well, you know what the other you know what the other likely outcome is, right? What the Clippers don't play an overtime game for the entire regular season, and then they get ousted in the postseason on one overtime game. Oh, dude, yes, it would be remarkable. It'd be Pete Clippers, maybe. Um, all right, Shane, where can people find you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at Young NBA. Find my work at Forbes Sports. I'm going to have something on PG's uh, seven-game stretch here. Is it eight games? Uh, I can't remember which one it is. He's been remarkable for either seven or eight games. I'm in the middle of writing about that. So It's whatever amount you say it is. I don't know. Yeah, correct. I don't know. He, he, he had games. one 23-point game that doesn't count as a 30-point performance. And despite... Oh, was that the, was that the Minnesota <laughs> game where they just yeah. hammered the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I want to mention this real quick. Um because you've been to a couple games already mm-hmm. uh, for people who have not been to games uh, because of everything that's going on. I, I completely understand. I'm not like saying like, Oh my God, you got to go to games. But what I'm saying is when you start going to games again, there's an energy. There's like an actual, ener- like you feel it in the building. Like, you, like it, it, it's very weird how being there. And I, I know it sounds like cliche, like being there is different than watching on TV, yeah. but like, when you're there and you see the stuff up close and you hear the squeak of the sneakers, I don't know. It's like it's therapeutic. Yeah, it is. It's something that you can completely forget about everything else that's going on in your life, whether it's good or bad, for two hours. And really, I don't know if this is uh, for you like it is for me. When I'm at a game, it goes by wicked fast. Like I can look up and it's halftime and and then halftime will go by really fast. It's like it, the energy of being there makes everything just go fast. I don't even look at the scoreboard until until there's a timeout. I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't look up because because uh, for people who know, like at Staples Center, the scoreboard is ab- uh, is above the court. 
So, or I, I just call it the Jumbotron. The Jumbotron's mm-hmm. above the court, and where you're seated, you're at eye level of the backboard. So you see everything on the court, and you have to actually look up at the at the Jumbotron. But like, you're not conditioned to look up until you hear a whistle to look at the score. Now on the desk, you have like a little live box mm-hmm. score monitor. But I don't actually look at the score. I look at the like I'll look at like a specific guy or a certain number. And then like I'll randomly notice the score. I'm like, oh, like what, what the hell? Where are we? Kind of thing. So <laughs> it's like a random thing where and it ha- for the halftime thing, I, the second halftime happens, I'll tweet out something uh, like a sp- interesting thing. And then like I'll go I'll go walk. I'll go take a walk <laughs> for like 15 minutes and then come back. Yeah. I, can, I cannot uh, tell you how close I cannot tell you how close I've cut it to the third quarter starting by getting back to my seat. Oh yeah. Luck, luckily Staples center, you've been there for so many games now uh, this year, but uh, luckily Staples center allows you to go do that um, with the media, but other arenas, <laughs> uh, Indiana, you can't really move anywhere. Uh, they kind of like make you stay there. It's kind of weird, but uh, Ooh, yeah, I guess, weird. I guess the good thing about Indiana though, is uh, you can hear cause they have a lot of fans there as, as does Philly. You can hear people shout like, Marcus, your brother is better than you. Stuff like that. That's amazing, actually. See, those are those are the good ones. (laughs) Um, Everybody, uh, do you have anything to say to the good people before we get the hell out of here? I don't think I do. I wish I did. Um, Didn't come prepared for that. But I will say everyone should stay safe and enjoy. Try to soak up and enjoy these last three and a half weeks. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy the 10 games while we have them. because who the hell knows after that, I guess. Yeah. Um, everybody stay safe, social distance, wear your mask, practice hygiene, wash your hands, um, give a loved one a call, tell them what's up. And as always, go Clippers. <laughs>